I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Chris Lindstrom was a hoot. He was just so much fun. He never stopped talking. I mean, it was great. Party down? Yes! Take it from me, an inveterate snob. (laughs) That's it! Stinks! It stinks! It stinks! And we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere, is that clear? Because I'm a pro. That's what pros do. I'm a professional. Look it up in the book. What do you say? Enough. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And we are back with another episode of the Food About Town podcast. It's a steamy day in the middle of Rochester summer. And I'm here with a guest. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Cassidy Broman, uh, chef owner of Public Provisions. Chef owner Public Provisions, uh, which is, we're going to do first plugs starting now. So located in the public market. Um, what What is the official building row that that's on? I always forget oh, I, what that is. I don't know. I, I've always just called it the Cure Java Flower City Best of building um yeah yeah i don't i don't know what that official i have people that want to do interviews and stuff and i don't know what building to tell them other than <laughs> the address and we're here in javas is is yeah i mean yeah i think that's probably the best way of doing it because like i i'll talk about that stuff all the time and I'm like i have no idea how to dictate what that road is the, the market is just this hodgepodge of ginormous parking lot and then you know, if you're there on a market day, it's kind of easy slash hard to, you know, navigate because where you're going to park. But once you get in there, you figure it out. And then when people come there on a not a market day, they can find us no problem. Yeah. So, oh, I want to talk about parking there in a second. But so uh, restaurant is there at uh, address is purportedly 45 Rochester Public Market. Yes. Uh, which is two doors down from Flower City Bread, the uh, sister establishment. Yes, exactly. Okay. So uh, right there. And uh, hours, so right now it looks like it's open Tuesday through Saturday. Sure, yep. Uh, looks like through lunch-ish on Tuesday and then all day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes, and uh, coming soon is uh, brunch service on Sundays. Um, Sunday at the Brighton Market, we take the pizza oven and probably going to start up Tuesday nights coming up here soon also. So, wow. Yeah. Man, this is going fast. Yeah, we're, we started slow, get the ball rolling, and now we're ready to play. I was going to say, starting, like, how, when, when was opening? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I think. <laughs> I like, we started slow, it's two weeks, I'm like, yeah, now let's just, let's just ram the hours. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's, we got, everyone showed up for staff-wise, so what the hell, let's go. Hey, I love that. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about what public provisions is, and then we'll talk about, you know, the path to get there and everything else. So, what is public provisions? Um, public provisions is a restaurant. At night, and uh, uh, I guess a cafe eatery uh, during the day. It's it kind of follows that market feel of of you walking around picking up vegetables, picking up produce, um, grabbing some some goodies, grabbing a cup of coffee, and grabbing a sandwich to go. Whether that's a breakfast sandwich or uh, you know a pastrami sandwich or a burger, um, but with the same feel of you know what the market is, which is kind of just kind of casual walk around, sit wherever you like, do whatever you like, bring other people's products into your building. Um, you grab your food and kind of go wherever you like. You, you get handed a beeper with your name attached to it. And when your food's ready, your beeper goes off and you grab and either take it with you or sit down wherever you like. And then nighttime, uh, you, you, you can make a reservation and the lights go down and there's wine glasses and dinner glasses and, and, and silverware and forks and, you know, and, and you can sit down and you have a waiter and it's, it's a little more, uh, intimate or or sexy, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're right. I think that's kind of interesting because now we've got at least three establishments down the road who are doing a similar thing between uh, Fiorella, what right. Cure's doing in the morning, yeah. and now Public Provisions. I think it's a really interesting dynamic to set up that it's not like it's not direct competition. We're creating a whole vibe to what this area is, which is for everybody at any time. Exactly, exactly. It's the the public market has this 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 thing. You know, this ginormous parking at night where, where you can kind of park anywhere in this kind of lotted community where there's a security guard. And, and if you're, you know, a little weird going downtown or whatever, you, you kind of feel safe. And it's it's easy to jump around from one restaurant to another pretty much down the row there from Bravo Belly all the way down to, to, to Cure. Yeah. So it's it's a cool thing, I think. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I would just, 
I like that we've created all day businesses mm -hmm. because, you know, during the week for a long time, this was, you know, relatively dead. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody for a long time, people weren't going to the public market and then started to edge in from railroad street. Sure. And now in there, now that we have, now we have places that are, you know, morning, lunch, dinner yes. through the week, we're starting to see some vibrancy growing in there, not just market days. Well, Flower City has, has always kind of been there every day, almost Tuesday through Saturday Yeah, it, and the, during the day. And, and, you know, on market days, there's definitely a, a abundance of stuff for, for Keith and Flower City to provide for you guys. But even on non-market days, those Wednesdays and Fridays, he would have stuff available. And, and now that Provisions is open, he has a coffee shop in there doing excellent coffee every single day. You know, you can go in there and get an espresso shot or a mocha or whatever, or sit down and jump on the Wi-Fi and almost that cafe feel is there yeah. that Tuesday through Saturday, unlike kind of how it has it been, you know, yeah. relying on those market days. Yeah. And we're, we're going to be speaking of the man, not in the room here <laughs> and there. Uh, so uh, Keith Myers, owner of flower city bread, yeah. who uh, I think was on briefly on the podcast once, during, oh, you got him, really? Oh, no. So during, this was, so I was doing, this was a long time ago during some, uh, some, uh, some strife that was some public strife that was going on at the time. Sure. I think I know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I was doing an episode and I forget if I texted him or something and I, he called my phone and I patched it into my board. This is before I had my right. system now. And I was recording. Somebody called. He called in live wow, while him. I was recording it, which that's the only time I've had him over. And I've known him for yeah. you know going on a decade now yeah, yeah. <laughs> or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. He's a baker, man. <laughs> but you know what? It's, um, you know, the, the roots with, you know, Flower City and, you know, I've, I've been a huge proponent of what they're doing since pretty early on being one of the truly special places in Rochester that stands up to any major city bakery anywhere in the country. Yeah. I've been working there for, I mean, waiting for this project to, to open for the last two and a half, three years. And, and the stuff that he does there, you know, just, just the flour that he uses and, and just the, the method of, of sourdough and, and I mean, his yeast, his bread is, 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 his brioche. I mean, it's all top notch stuff. And it, I, like you said, I would compare it with some of the best bread in New York. Absolutely. Or in the country. I mean, it's 1%. Yeah. It's any 1%. any place I go, I end up at a bakery or at a coffee shop right. or at this or at that. You know, the roots of being somewhere. Yeah. Because if you're going to visit somewhere and you're not trying to be there and go to those kind of places in the morning, I don't think you're really I suggest anyone just go get it. one croissant. Just get a croissant, a plain yeah. croissant. And that's it. If that's, you know, bring a $5 bill, get a plain croissant and walk out and I, it'll get you. It'll, it'll hook you. They're so delicious handmade. Well, it's also, it helps you analyze a place mm -hmm. being able to have the basic thing and know, like you can taste everything they're doing technique wise when you bite it, the texture, the flavor, you know, the butter, you can taste all of that because it is so simple but it's, it's so hard. Technique. It's so hard. Yeah. It's he, what he does is so hard, but he makes it look so easy. I mean, it, he puts in hours. Don't get me wrong. And those guys make that every single day. Yeah. It's really impressive. But I think that's the same thing with any of those basic foods. Like, mm -hmm. you know, doing pizza properly is hard. a pure element of the best way of taking these very simple ingredients mm -hmm. and turn them to something that's more than the basics. It's, it's turned into an, a, almost an obsession for him. I think oh, yeah. when it comes to the croissant and the sourdoughs Always. And, and I mean, he's kind of rubbed off on me with the pizza and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's an obsession of just getting this trying to achieve perfection, Yeah. but you're also dealing with fermentation, which is, you know, it, today it's, Hard because it's really hot and steamy and humid decidedly and, imperfect. Right, exactly. So I mean, yeah, you're right. Like today is we're going to be up in the, like the high 80s. Yeah, and, and humid. humid and yeah, it's totally different than it was two days ago or yesterday or last week or whatever. So yeah, the speed. I mean, you can over ferment so fast. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> measures that they do in there to to slow things down, but it's yeah, you're controlling fermentation. It's it's very hard to do. Had you uh, had you been making pizza before? Uh, I've I've messed around with pizza dough before, but I mean, learning it from the master, you kind of you know throw everything aside that you've learned in the past, and you you know you absorb what you can from someone that knows those guys in there know what they're doing. So you just submit to what they're doing. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. And I, I've loved I've always loved learning about. I think pizza was one of my first nerdries because 
you can really focus on technique and you can taste it out Mm -hmm. in your head and you can start building a, I'm I'm an engine, my day job's in engineering. So I'll start turning a matrix in my head of like, how do I taste technique? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do, how do I find technique through, um, through texture, through flavor, through everything else. And you can start to like, Oh, What's your salt percentage in the dough? I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Right. Four, four, four ingredients made a certain way is, you know, it's pretty impressive how, like you said, one percentage of either way you can taste or feel, or, I mean, I'm, I'm using it. I'm stretching it. Um, Oh yeah. I can, I know like, oh, we, we mix this for a little bit, you know, well, you can start to feel it. Yes. And that's the part when I've made it at home. I st- always struggled. I couldn't feel the difference. Mm-hmm. If you put it in front of me, I could sure. tell you what was wrong with it. Sure, sure. But if you're telling me to do it, the the feel just takes. That's just time behind the stick. Time with flour in your hands. We, we we like I said, we go to we go to Brighton Farmers Market every Sunday, and we do a hundred and give or take hundred and twenty five, hundred fifty doughs. And is that what it is now? Yeah, we wow. pull. I pull almost every single one of them, and. You, you know, you do that for a couple of months. You can, you know, you can talk to the person that mixed it. You can uh-huh. talk to, Hey, what did we do? Or last week was great. Do that again. Or, you know what I mean? You can, it takes 150 doughs oh, yeah. consecutive eight weeks in a row for you to go. I've, I know what we're doing now. I figured it out. Last time I bought some doughs, I was doing a party here. I bought a bunch from, bought a bunch from the bakery. Sure. Um, and it was warm that day. Oh yeah. And I didn't have it fully refrigerated. Oh no. Oh my God. Did all of those explode? Cause they're so active and it's yes. just like, boom, boom, yeah, yeah. boom. You got to catch the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's we're catching the sweet spot in a parking lot with, with coolers. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. we have a walk-in cooler uh, with us. So it's, we're, we're kind of, yeah, it's, we're caveman it on the rawest level of you're racing all the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody's heard me talk about Flower City Bread. So, I mean, if you haven't been and you're listening to this, don't not go. Go now. Yeah. Um, it is a special place. Make sure you go. We'll, we'll hit it as we go along as well. But kind of want to go into what, you know, the journey into uh, public provisions from, now we'll get into your path, sure. I think, after. Sure. But so... What was the, when did we start thinking about public provisions? Is that when you came in or was the whole thing? What, what was the journey into that? So COVID hit, uh, we all know what happened there. And then I, I got a text or a phone call from Keith. I don't remember which to just come and talk to him. He just purchased the building right next to flower city where that public provisions is in. Um, and he just wanted me to come walk around and talk to him. And I, he was excited about doing something there. He doesn't, you know, whether that was bring the bakery over there or cafe right. or something. And I, I walked in and I, I got the feeling of, of good. You know, I was like, wow, this is really impressive. This is cool. This is, it, it was real raw. Don't get me wrong. It was a empty warehouse where, you know, it used to be a flower boutique store. I was going to say very long time ago. Yeah. Very long time ago. I think it sat for a while. There was a three foot or three uh, story cooler that held all the flowers on one side. It was, it was pretty raw. Yeah. And there was definitely some hidden gems of old, old, old stuff going on. Um, and then that, that kind of inspired me to think about it. I talked to some people and it eventually just evolved into me and him coming up with this kind of grab and go concept kitchen restaurant thing. You know what I mean? And, and COVID was going on still. So it was, you know, it was part of the background of let's create this restaurant where, you know, it's, it's, it's convenient, uh, accessible, and, and it kind of just snowballed into there. And it took a while to get to this stage. So I, I signed up with the bakery, and we just kind of always were chipping away at this restaurant. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you're talking about now in the 2020, and we opened, what, two, three weeks ago, yeah. which would have been beginning of July. Yeah, it's been a three-year process <clears throat> of, of building this. I mean, building it from scratch. I was going to say, that that's a, that's the definition of a slow burn. Yes, it was It was building it from, we, I mean, I tore down walls with him, and then we, we had contractors come in, and, you know, we started looking at equipment and measuring and, you know, what it takes. But when you own the building and he owns the building, it, it's kind of three times as hard as if you were, you know, building this place and there was a landlord. That, sure. You know. I mean, so. there's there's benefits and detriments to that, is that Absolutely. now, now it is the space. Yes. And... Like you're not at the whims of right. oh we're popular now and right. ah, I'll see you later no yeah it's um it's it's cool because it's it's a, it's definitely a shell of what it's going to be there's yeah. going there's a lot of 
con- construction in the future for the actual restaurant rooftop, uh, possibly something coming going in next door. The bakery will eventually move into that facility. But yeah, we've we've opened up this this restaurant to 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 keep expanding, and it's 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 both of our futures. It's my future. It's his future. It's yeah. It's it's going to be something great. We just have to get going. Well, it's a huge transition into you know you know, renting the space that they're currently in, which is, you know, which is amazing. You know, it's a, it's a great space. It's a great, I but mean, it is it, so tight. It is so tight. And there is a lot of great companies that, that use that as their commissary as the restaurant, you know, during the day, it's Java's at night is cure. Great restaurant. Um, upstairs is Java's bake shop that I don't think many people know that that's that all the, you know, that's, that's Java's bake shop for all the Java's all over Rochester. And, yeah. and Jackie does an amazing job up there, but it's like you said, it's, we're all, they're all squished in there and they yeah. do a great job, but you know, being able to spread out in his own facility is, I mean, look how small, look how small Cure is after right. all these years and all the popularity. They crank, man. They do such a good job. I mean, it's really Donnie something. does a great job and Andreas in the kitchen. I mean, those guys, I look up to those guys. Those guys are great. I mean, it's evolved. I mean, it's been the same, but it's evolved. Over the years, the, the little things, if you've been there over time, you'll see, yeah. you know, the difference between when James is running it, when someone else is running it. Right, right. And, you know, when Donnie's actively behind the bar versus yeah. now in the background, it's different. But you know what? Things can't be the same forever. We can't we can't romanticize the old layouts and the old style forever. I remember when they first opened, I was like, oh, man, this is this is awesome. And then I look up, and it's 10. Did they just celebrate their 10 or 12th year or something? Yeah, it's, it's just like, crazy. Holy, what ha- where did all that go? Absolutely. And they're still crushing it. Well, and it's, it's one of the core parts of a dining scene. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many places that can be that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's places that are popular, but there's also places that are part of, you know, that the core of you know, the, the mid to upscale dining scene of a city. Sure. And, you know, like I said, I can list off what are, I think are the core, you know, diverse restaurants of Rochester, but there's still a core of, Hey, if you're a dining traveler, you're going to those, you're going to the diverse restaurants and not always everywhere in the middle, but you're going to all of those places that define a city. Sure. And it's hard to say that cure isn't on that list after all this time. They are. (laughs) Um, so anyway, so you're starting to, starting to tear down, starting to go through that process and this is continuing for, you know, probably what a year and a half, two years. Yeah. A year and a half, two years. And and, and it it finally got to the stage where the, 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 the bar got built and that's when it sunk in for me and Keith. We both were like, Oh my God. Like, cause we've always want, like, when I go out, I want to sit at the bar and I want to interact Same. with the bartender or if it's an open kitchen, somehow get a glimpse into what's going on, which we have, we have an open kitchen and, and we suggest come, you know, reservation or not, come sit at the bar and, and I will wait on you. I'll come talk to you or my sous chef blaze will come talk to you and we'll talk about food or what you're into, what you're not into. But when that bar got built, me and him were like, this is going to be terrific this is going to be this is what we want and it really started to sink in like oh we gotta we gotta actually do this now <laughs> you know what i mean you like forget like yeah after two years you're like shit i gotta we gotta do this now this is we're doing it this well, is gonna you're, be great you're used, you're used, the, it becomes routine even though after all the all the planning and you know it's going to be a thing right but the routine of of you know destruction right before construction starts, we did a pop up at Rella, and Which I, I remember. Know, yeah, yeah, you came to, and 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 that was like going to be like the kind of roll into the restaurant, and it didn't end up being that because it took so long to get to the the bar being finished stage. I guess we can call it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. So bar got finished, the floor got finished, table started going in. And we started hiring people, which is, you know, in this day and age is, is tough. But An adventure, especially if, it, especially if you have a specific vision mm-hmm. for how you want something mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. And yeah. that's the challenge because you, you might be able to get a body. Sure. But that doesn't mean you're going to accomplish what you're hoping to accomplish with a, with a vibe, with a style. Right. I'm very happy with our orientation and, and the core people that we have right now because they really buy into what I want to do when it comes to food and, and service and and what provisions is. Yeah, well, I think so. Let let's talk. So we talked about the you know the daytime vibes. Yeah, you know, we're we're getting into opening, um, and you talked about you know a lot of different phases of day. Mm-hmm. So. 
starting in the morning as we're just going to go through the day. Yeah, let's go. So what, let's start through let's start through morning. So I was in, uh, you know, I'm I'm at the public market almost every weekend, and I saw I think this might have been the first weekend where now uh, now sandwiches are going into public provisions. Right. The, so the the prepared foods that used to be inside Flower City are now transitioning over. Yes. So if you want to get your bread, you go to Flower City or your croissant, go to Flower City. If you want some prepared food, you can migrate over and get a cup, a cup of coffee or a croissant sandwich. This That's around 6, 30, 7 o'clock. We got baristas ready to rock. And we've got cooks ready to cook. Yeah. Um, and we've got a dining room ready to be sat in. Which uh, is nice to have that space yes, now, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about coffee for a second. I am a... I'm a consistent coffee snob. Sure. Um, I will say coffee nerd as well. Yeah. Uh, I go fairly deep. And I, I've always seen the little machines that, you know, Keith's had in the back and having mm-hmm. his own coffee mm-hmm. to take over to, mm-hmm. to like the Cure Espresso machine mm-hmm. and use mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. after all those years. And now, dedicated setup. Yeah. He, he, he took over the coffee program. He has, you know, the, 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 Ferrari of coffee machines, I call it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know he's getting his beans from uh, Seattle from Camber, which is, uh, 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 they, you know, they, he sent the, some people, his kids out there to learn from them how to, how, to, how to use the machine. I love that. Yeah. And then they actually came here and did a little cross training with some of the staff too, which is really cool. And that was really cool to see. But it's very elevated coffee. I, I think it's very tasty. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I noted, like, oh, I know that machine. Okay, cool, yeah. Like, I know that espresso machine because yeah. that's basically the same one that uh, Joe Bean has in their, in their facility over on Blossom Street. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's a Victoria Arduino, one of the, the upper scale, you know, everything's modifiable, the temperatures, the pressures, you know, different group head things. You have different for each one. They have separate boilers. It's wild. It's a crazy machine. (laughs) And also the grinders like, Oh, I haven't even seen one of those yet. Yes. It's, it has a cool and hot temperature grinding ability that grinds (laughs) the same. I love that. Uh, Yeah. He's totally geeked out on it. Yeah. I'm yes. So it's super exciting. And I was like, Oh, this, this is, you know, I have another spot to go and get serious coffee. For sure. And, you know, it, this isn't, so I'll say to stuff that's my taste, um, you know, th- this is going in the direction that I prefer. Right. I have a specific taste in coffee mm-hmm. that, um, although very popular, like, you know, the Java style isn't for me. Sure. Right. It tends to be a little darker roasted, tends mm-hmm. to be a certain kind of thing. Not for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I've been trained Gotcha. And um, polluted right. by the specialty coffee, sure, the sure, sure. very light roast specialty coffee world. Yeah, and it's hard for me to go back. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. I, I like both. I like any coffee, to be honest with you. But I, hey, I, it's okay. I know that that coffee coming from Provisions is is the coffee that you're talking of. The yeah. lighter roast, a uh, little more uh, in depthly taken care of. Yeah, to, little nuance. To, yeah, to extract that that yeah. beautiful that beautiful either espresso or 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 drip coffee. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been having another uh, one of the shows that's now recording out of the studio is uh, Wade Reed from Aporia Coffee. Mm-hmm. So Wade does uh, you know he roasts around town. He does like ugly duck sh- um, shop blend and yeah. things like that. And uh, Wade's been in drooling on the on the machine a little bit. He's, uh-huh. he's in there. <laughs> yeah, Wade, Wade's Wade's a fun. He's a character and a half. Yeah, which is why I love having him. Uh, you know, his show level up, but he records out of here now. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. That's uh, awesome. Which is a blast. But I I get to really deep dive into coffee with those guys and learn so much about it because it's just never ends. No. Yeah. It's, it's a, it can be a, a, a hole you can dive into and never come out. Yeah. So, so now you got, you got breakfast through the week yep. and you can access those breakfast sandwiches and things now during the week. Yes. Which is exciting. Yes. Every day we do, we do the breakfast sandwiches. We do the, you know, the cereal granola. We have a chef toast special. Um, yeah. And then we're, we're kind of ready for lunch at like nine o'clock because there's a lot of people that, that work at the market that get there at four. Yeah. Come nine o'clock, they're ready for lunch. And, and we start slinging burgers and, and right now we got a crispy chicken sandwich and we're slinging that stuff pretty early. We got the flat top ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Let's talk about lunch. Cause I, that's, that's part of the menu I haven't seen or yeah. haven't taken a look at yet. So you're doing just like straight classics. Yeah, straight classics, and that's what people want at the market. I think. You yeah. know what I mean, and and it's coming to you in a basket and with some with some you know parchment paper and you know nothing's on plates or anything like that. But we're doing the you know, classic pastrami sandwich that we're curing ourselves or uh, brining ourselves and smoking ourselves and slicing. 
with a kraut that we've fermented the proper way on obviously the flower city bread demi baguette uh, i mean making i've done corned beef from scratch a couple times yeah. um when i when i ate meat it was it's a fun process it's a long process it yeah. is yeah we've got a system down i've been doing it for a while and it's just kind of evolved into just this every week every day sort of uh, part of the routine, which is great. And and I think there's customer base that loves that pastrami sandwich. We're, we're doing a smash burger. That's Keith's kind of baby. He took on that. He, I don't know, he got tons and tons of pounds and messed around with smashing. And, Sounds about right. Yeah, with mustard down first or the onion down first uh-huh. or the smash or what's the grind. Taking or, some in and out inspiration, yes, exactly. taking some Oklahoma inspiration. It, nailed it. You know, it's the, the classic... You listen to or you watch enough of those burger shows yes. and you're like, all right, I know where all those are coming yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, uh, but no, it's fun, like trying to optimize, like, what is your flavor? Right. And how do you want to define yourself? Exactly. Like, there's, it's just everything. Yeah. And the same thing we're talking about. This is going to keep on echoing throughout the rest of our conversation is technique, drives, and results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause those, those kind of things, I mean, you know, trying to optimize a chicken sandwich, trying mm-hmm. to optimize a simple right. burger is fun. Right. It's a lot of work, Yes, but it's fun. Yeah. We're, we're messing around right now with uh, some, some vegan vegetarian options that are on the menu. So lunch is kind of like a, on a blackboard kind of changes weekly, daily. Um, we're doing a pupusa right now. We're maximizing our own corn, which is kind of cool. All right, let's we're so we're we're gonna talk about that. Then we're gonna take our break because as soon as so I did go to dinner. We'll talk about dinner after. Love it. But I came in for dinner and I had we'll talk about one part of it now to lead into that. <laughs> it was a, a moose bouche and it was this little I apologize for using all these terms. Now we're talking fine dining terms. So amuse, but we had a little little snack, and it was uh, vegan chicharron made with nixtamalized corn. Yes. Which, by the way, technique, uh, texture was excellent. Flavor was excellent. That cool. was a fun little dish. Let's talk about nixtamalizing corn because um, I'm going to set the stage for a second and then let you go into all the details. Um, so if you have had corn tortillas that are crumbly and flavorless and not good or you bought them from a grocery store and they're stale and they crack and they're, they don't taste good. Rancidy almost. Yeah. They're old. They taste old. They taste old and nothing's quite right about them. Well, that's because they are old and dry (laughs) and not necessarily handled properly. Um, There's many different ways of making good corn tortillas. You know, you can use mixes, you can use, uh, you know, uh, Maseca, which is a commercial, you know, processed product, but that is processed to make it pliable and do this. But in many of the traditional ways, we need to go through this process of nixtamalization to you to take this corn that is really not edible and turn into something nutritious, but at the same time also makes it delicious and textured. Sure. I, 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 I went into the 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 mixed corn K hole, I guess you could call it, and and went down the the, the, the hole mm-hmm. and started uh, getting dried corn in and and boiling it with the correct chemicals and 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 stuff to to get it to get tender to try and make tortillas that were perfect, and I just I just could not. I'm still working on my tortilla. That's why there's not a tortilla on the menu. It's but a lot of work. It's tough. The that same thing with that fermentation, trying to balance with the humidity and the right grind and the moisture level and stuff like that. Well, and the different kinds of corn too. Absolutely. Yes. If you're getting local corn, right. it's going to be very different depending on heritage grain versus right. versus you know commercial grain versus this. They're going to they're going to nixtamalize and grind yes. completely differently. Yes. So we, we've made masa and a, a nice, delicious masa that's, that's moist and, and almost, yeah. And almost, I guess they call it like country style. It's a little uh, heavier grain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use that to make our pupusas, which is like a stuffed, a stuffed tortilla, kind of like the size of a pancake. And we, 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 we put uh confit uh, pork in there with, with, classic cheese and we sear it and heat it up in the oven that we make a salad over the top of it so it's a, it's a cool way to use the masa yeah we're, we're, we're messing around with trying to figure out how to make tortillas but we have this other use for them to make these pupusas well because pupusas it's it's something that i don't believe as far as i can as far as i remember i don't think anybody is making them in rochester yet i had them for the first time i went down to central america and ended up at some taqueria or some spot on the beach 
you know, and I ordered them not knowing what they were. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. And they just had salsa over the top of them. And I was like, it was always ingrained in my brain of, of doing that. And that was like 15 years ago. And when I made this masa, I'm like, let's just try and make pupusas with it and, and put the tortillas on the side burner. And it, they turned out just terrific. And I was like, let's just run these until we master the tortilla. Well, I mean, and in of itself, like it's also special. I was just double checking my, my sourcing. Cause I, I was pretty sure I was right, but yeah, the, you often see it as a, it's a Salvadorian, Thank you, yeah. uh, Salvadorian dish. Um, it obviously crosses over. It's, it, it, uh, is similar to an arepa. Right. Um, but you know, different, right. you know, different finish, slightly different textures, but pretty, pretty traditional. You'll see that, you know, in cities that have a larger Salvadorian population, I mean, it is all over the place, you know, LA and cities like that. You'll right. see it everywhere. Yeah. Cause who doesn't like yeah. a griddled corn thing filled with deliciousness? Yeah. I, I, a lot of my cooking is, is something I've had in the past and I, I just remember it and try and re- replicate it without even doing my research, to be honest with you, until I get going in it and then I do my research. But, but I just remember these pupusas back 15 years ago being like, that was a great little, you know, have a beer and have some pupusa uh, just, just stuck with me. And here we are. Absolutely. They're on the lunch menu at my restaurant. That's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the second half of our conversation talking about public provisions and we'll be right back. And we're back with the second half of our conversation talking about public provisions located in the public market in whatever the hell building that <laughs> is located in next to Cure down the street from Flower City Bread and um, our favorite people over at Fiorella. Shout out to Gino and team. They're just another one of those places that has done so good in Rochester. Um, so we left off talking about lunch, talking about pupusas. Um, let's go into dinner because I do want to get into your background. So Cool. Dinner, you're going into, you know, still fairly approachable style food. Absolutely. But um, with a lot of technique going on. We've been talking about technique all the way through. Right. On purpose because I wanted to get to dinner because, man, every dish that I tried had so much going on in it. It's a lot. Cool, man. Cool. Which I, I say that in the best possible way, but in the... I'm I'm shocked and impressed that there's so much going on. Yeah, you talked about the, the dishes. chili crunch. You talked about uh, yeah. uh, the the mushrooms. I think you were very interested in the falafel. The, it was a little maybe. I think you tasted the fermented yeah, yeah. chickpeas. I fermented them, which is something a little different that other people don't do. Well, I I think it's the kind of thing where if you eat any of the dishes and you're just there to enjoy it, you're like, yeah, wow, this is delicious. Oh, this is a little bit interesting texture wise. Mm-hmm. A little bit interesting to this. But if you start to start to isolate each part of the dish and really go into what's going into this, mm-hmm. how many different techniques were done with this, what kind of prep work was put into this, sure. I was left concerned. Oh, no. <laughs> I was left concerned <laughs> and excited concerned all for at the what? same time concerned for like it's a it's a shit ton of work like yeah, I'm like all right, everything everything I tasted was texturally interesting and full flavored and thought through, but each of those steps that goes into each of those dishes, um, those are all effort things. None of those things come for free. Right. And that was the part that was at the same time exciting. Sure. And I'm like, Oh, I feel bad for everybody because it's a lot of work. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you're, you, you are, you know, you're a vegan, right? Vegan, mm-hmm. vegetarian, and you, you, and you had no problem navigating that menu. And no, there was plenty, of, plenty of things on there that you didn't even get that were also able to settle. You know, you could, you could have, but absolutely, in order to do that sort of stuff without, um, you know, so, so, so there's a lot of vegan, uh, you know, it's just a lot of chemicals. You know, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, to to take a chickpea and soak it overnight, or to take a chickpea and ferment it. It, it creates a devil, another level of flavor, I think, for you. And yes, you have to take an extra step. 
you know, if we're, if we're fermenting our own hot sauces and stuff like that, yes, it's, that's a week and a half worth of, of work. It is much more delicious. It is though. much more delicious. And I think someone will, will appreciate that whether they are, or have a trained palate or if they're just having it for the first time. Well, yeah, I mean, even this, I mean, what's ostensibly at least appears to be a very simple, a very simple dish. So you have a braised leeks dish. Sure. And yeah. this is the one my buddy and I were just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> as, as, soon, as soon as we took took a bite in. So, I mean, leeks have been braised for as long as there have been leeks. Sure. And as long as France has had food. Right. Um, this is so classically French in so many ways. But with flavors that are distinctly unFrench. Yes. Uh, well, the leek itself is French, but the romescu and the and the pistachios I, I aren't kind of French at all. And and the romescu isn't a classic romescu. It's not a tomato pepper based one. It's a tomatillo green pepper with pistachios in it. But I mean, it's not not right. It's not not a romescu, and sure. it's not not a French braised leek. Sure, exactly. Like, these are all those things going into this. I'm like, oh, want a lot of playfulness, but. When you take when you take a leek that is basically perfectly cooked and you get this silky, luxurious texture on it, every bite you're like excited about the next one. Yeah. Because it's not just it's not just that we've got the single texture, is that now you've got the the return of the crunch from the pistachios and right. you've got some acidity in the romesco and you've got all the little bites that are going into what is a eight bite dish. Sure. Right, it's an eight bite dish, eight to ten bites, and but every single one is a fun adventure into that. The reason I'm focusing on that one is because it just it comes out simple, yep. but nothing about it is simple. The hardest part is cleaning all the leaks. Oh god, leaks are the worst. <laughs> like the amount of dirt that goes into those. Yeah. Like I like I'll do bulk cooking at home, and I'll be just you know I'll do like four whole ones sure. in a dish, but first thing you do you is you chop the hell out of them <laughs> and then you rinse them and you rinse them and yep. you rinse them. Right. And then I can cook them out and make yep. it into my base. Yes. But it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're doing larger quantities of them as well. Sure. So like you're, you're actually getting whole larger pieces, yes. not like, you know, diced or small no. slices, which no. means every little thing needs to be checked for grit and all that stuff. You enjoyed that as a, as a small plate or as an appetizer, but that is simply could be a side dish to, oh, to your entree. Like that's kind of how the menu is set up that you can kind of mix and match. If you want to do the, you know, the tasting share thing, tapas, I guess you call it. Yeah. Or if you want to have an entree with a side, there's all of, all over the menu has that options. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned, so I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to get like too much of, you know, nerd fanboy about specific ingredients, but so the other dish that I wanted to mention, again, this is uninclusive of the rest of the menu. It's, you know, a decently sized menu, not too big, right. which as any self-respecting menu should be, should be a page. Sure. It'll be special. <laughs> Specials are coming. So it'll be. You know, we did a chef toast this weekend and we're going to have a fish special coming up here. Yeah. And so, but yes, it is a, it is a moderately sized menu. Yeah. But a one page menu makes it so much more approachable, both for the kitchen and for the diner. Sure. And I think you can't do more than that really well. Yes. Agreed. At the kind of level we're trying to talk about Agreed. right now yes. is it's just too much to be able to do much more than that at a sustainable level. Nailed it. Um, so the other one I want to talk about was that compressed salad. Yeah which is a lot of stuff going on there. Why don't, you, why don't you talk about the general idea behind it? So um, I enjoy uh, fermenting things. I enjoy the flavor of, of, of what comes off of the fermented vegetable. So everything on that dish has been salted at a certain percentage and or cooked a certain way and then kind of marinated on itself. So we cook beets and then we chop them up and then we take that cooking liquid and reduce it down to almost like a syrup and then put them back on the beets. Um, the cucumbers uh, get, get salted, and then that juice or, or pickling, natural pickling liquid that comes off of them gets reduced down and puts back onto them. Um, uh, there's zucchini that we uh, put into a bag with lime juice and, and salt and, and oil, and that kind of that zucchini absorbs all that flavor. So it, it's kind of just kind of taking the natural 
flavors of those vegetables and putting them back on themselves to compress that flavor to make that zucchini the best zucchini or the best beet or the best piece of celery you've ever had. Yeah, and it does change the textures a little bit in a way that's kind of fun right. and interesting. But it still tastes like a beet, and it still oh. tastes like a cucumber. It's not like, a, you know, it's not... We're not changing what the flavor of a cucumber is. No, and this isn't this isn't like the oh we blended the cucumber and then we no. we juiced it and no. then we're then we're spherifying it and no. we're doing this. We're still dealing with whole pieces of the product, but concentrated and twisted a little bit to turn into you know something you know either more intense or different dynamics right. and fun stuff like that. And it also gives you a little bit of leeway on, you know, getting everything right. And it, it's also when you have something to start with, that's really delicious. I mean, all of our produce comes from, uh, from Jeremiah at uh, Squash Blossom Farms. And I tell him every single time I see him, I go, your stuff, I have to cut it. I have to clean it. I have to put salt on it. That's yeah. it. I mean, I don't even need to put salt on it, but as a chef, you, you have to do that. Like you, you know, but it's just, it's so good. Why mess it up? Why do anything else? Yeah, and uh, I've had his produce before. Bought it at the you know Brighton Market, and you know consistently excellent stuff. It's terrific. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Um, but the element I wanted to talk about this because I've made this myself. I enjoy eating many different varieties of it. Is a chili crunch, <laughs> um, or a chili oil, whatever we want to call it, because right. there's you know, there is differentiation without sure. a separation without differentiation, I guess. Sure. Between the two. Um, so I think if you're, if you really enjoy flavors and you enjoy techniques, one of the best ways to give comments to people who are doing the work, if you want to give positive feedback or otherwise is something that not everybody's going to recognize sure. as, as work or something that you personally love about a dish. It's not just like, Oh, what a great experience. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want to really give something, you know, to a team, to, you know, the, to the servers, to someone else, you know, tell them something detailed, give them something you like really, really uh, brought you excitement sure. about your experience. Like, Hey, you know, the server really knew how to, was reading the table. Well, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of an inside tip, like, Hey, they got us right away. Right. You know, they knew that we wanted this a certain way and they figured everything out and they got us exactly what we wanted. Right. Makes your night. But that little change of how you say it to somebody sure. changes everything. So when I tasted the chili oil, I'm like, all right, I know it went into this. I know how much work because I've made it myself. Yeah. And I know that you could have gotten away with using less ingredients sure. and doing it differently. Um, so the reason I say this is as soon as I tasted it, it had a roundness of flavor. Um, it had, you can taste some you know, a little bit of sweet aromatics. You could taste some savory. You know, the chilies weren't over-extracted. Right. It was very well thought through, and it's one element on a dish with lots of elements that have lots of different flavors. But if it wasn't full-flavored, it wouldn't have worked quite as well. Right. Because there's so many strong flavors on the dish. And I mentioned it that night. I'm going to mention it now. I really appreciate the work that goes into that one element of one dish that changes how good it is but if you're not if you haven't tasted lots of chili oil before you might not notice the difference yeah well i appreciate that it it, it definitely is a labor of making chili <laughs> oil uh -huh. or, or the chili crunch uh I, I definitely don't probably follow the rules i definitely add some sugar in there i don't think you're supposed to do that it depends i mean there's so many different versions i mean sure. regional versions right like most of the time when i'm cooking it at home I'll pour it, I'll do the hot oil pour over the aromatics, yeah. and then I'll put it back on the stove, right. and I cook it for a while because I want really rich, darker flavors. Right, yeah. I, but that's a personal preference. There's definitely some mint in there, which is definitely not, I think, traditional at all, but I mean, I don't really know what traditional is and what isn't. I just want to make something that, that like you said, is full flavor and, and, and completes the dish. Well, and I think the other thing is, like when we're talking about it, like you could isolate it to one region in China Right, you could say, "Hey, I'm making you know Guizhou style chili oil or Sichuan style, right. or or you're making salsa matcha from right. Mexico, Nailed which it. you know we can, it's different, but it's it's all chili oil. It's technique. All it's, those things are chili oil. It's it's a, the technique of getting that. I think the, the 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 frying of the onion and the shallot, and oh. then the, off of that using that oil to steep the 
the, the, the cleaned dried chilies mm-hmm. and toasting the sesame seeds and or sunflower seeds. And, then, and if you want texture at the end too, right. if you care about the texture, like for me, I'm just happy to cook the hell out of it. Right. And I don't care, but I'm also using fresh garlic. Right. And I don't care that it's like turned, you know, gummy. Right. Because I like gummy weird textures. Right. But if you want crunch, that means everything has to be right. Right. You, you know, have to pull it at the right time without right. burning it. Cool. Like awesome. Fun stuff. So I'd say if you want a really interesting dining experience, go. Don't worry about it. You know, grab a reservation if you want. Show up, sit at the bar, work through the menu, enjoy it. Don't you don't have to worry about it. Just go and just say, hey, I like stuff. Go eat and have a great time. It's approachable. The menu is very approachable. The whole place I feel like is is pretty approachable. You know, beer wine, the, the menu itself. There's nothing on there that's going to scare anybody away. And no. every, everything that comes out of the kitchen, you're going to recognize. You know, there's sliders. And like you said, there's leeks. There's a salad with vegetables on it. <laughs> there's yeah. chicken and pork and, and a burger that, you know, it's it, there's nothing too outrageous on that menu. Yeah. So the reason, like I said, the reason I went into all the techniques because I found it so exciting and fun. But it's a great thing to do to find that balance mm-hmm. in approachability, and living up to your expectations of what things can be, yes, which is an endless challenge that I fail at all the time with everything that I do. Um, but I think that's I think it's one of the things that's you have to you have to reckon with yeah. when you're getting into something like this. Yeah, I I I love this challenge, and I have an amazing team around me. Those guys in the kitchen, Blaze, Eric, Richie, Pete, those guys rock it out. Will in the dish. I mean, those guys make my life a lot easier, yeah. and they're willing to sponge up all the information that I can. And me too, I'm trying to learn from them also. I mean, but those guys make my job a lot easier. And then also, obviously, having an amazing front of the house crew, you know, with Maria at the helm, and then, you know, all, all those helpers yeah. <laughs> that, that, that help her out. It's really, it makes my life a lot easier. It makes me to have fun. You know what I mean? If I can focus in on the food and not have to worry about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's, it's nice. That's awesome. So I think we're going to do, we're going to take the last part of the show and let's, let's talk about how you got here, man. Let's, let's go into it. So, you know, we talked about, you know, getting, you know, getting into the opening, but you know, what was, what was the thing that got you excited about going into cooking? Not necessarily the first time you went into the industry, but what was the thing that got you into the thought about cooking? So my parents owned a restaurant back in the day. Okay. Uh, down, downtown from here. Yeah. Right in Rochester, New York, the old uh, city hall building in the basement. It was called Chappelle's and uh, they owned that from 86 to 97. What kind of restaurant was it? It was a French restaurant. French restaurant. See, yeah. it's like we're, we're so, we have almost none of that. Yeah. My father trained in France or in New York. I'm not quite sure, but he, uh, he, he brought what he learned from those big cities back here, and he ran a bunch of restaurants around town and then opened up a restaurant with my mother. My mother worked the front of the house, and my father worked the back of the house, and um, I was born in 87 and uh, grew up in that restaurant, basically. I don't even remember my house. I, yeah. I, I remember going to the restaurant. I remember the bus from school would drop me off at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping you off at the restaurant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so I would I was there all the time, and, I, I, and then uh, at – 1997, they kind of converted over to just catering, and they did catering all around town, and I was always kind of at, at their side. And, you know, throughout high school, I, I worked with them and just was a helper slash whatever I could do, help my dad prep or, or help my mom set the room or d- dishwash at night. And then as yeah. I got older, I, like, more responsibilities got put on me, and eventually I was like, I want to go to culinary school. And I, you know... Throughout that process, worked at some restaurants around town at Rooney's and Richardson's and some really amazing chefs around town kind of inspired me to to, to pursue culinary school and, and kind of showed you, me the other aspect of cooking, which is, yeah. you know, those Michelin starred chefs and, you know, Thomas Keller and and what was going over in France and, and you know, the, where the produce comes from and where your meat comes from and all that. And I kind of got, like, bought in. I was all, all in. And I... I left culinary school and went to Chicago for a little while. And then I came back home and helped my parents kind of close out, sell the rest or sell the catering company. And then that's kind of when I met Keith. Um, and I, I, I eventually was hired on as a, to, to open up a restaurant with Greg Johnson and, and Jody Johnson to, to open the cover. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I started, I, I painted the walls in the kitchen. I was just a, like a, like a prep boy basically. So we'll, we'll get back to the cover. I just wanted to pivot back for a second. So 
I think there's something about something about growing up in a small family business. Oh yeah, that changes you. You see it. I I grew up in a small family business. Right, yeah. Um. So like I I've mentioned on the show any number of times, but um. You know, grew up. You know, we did sports card selling. We did yeah. greenhouse Christmas trees, and I worked work nights, worked weekends since I was a little kid. I think we opened when I was. I don't know, six, yeah. seven. Like it's what all I remember it's is part of your, it's in your DNA and you, there's you, something about growing up around it where, you know, it's the, the challenges mm-hmm. and the, the challenges and the and highs the, and the yeah. stress and it never stops. Right. And it, there's something about that that's baked into you yeah. after all that time. Yeah. And doesn't go away. And it, it could, I could have gone and done anything and having that experience, that family business experience that, that, and like you said, baked into you, you, you it try it, it's with you everywhere you go. Everything it's not that easy. you do, no, it's not. And oh it, my it, cha- God. it changes you. Yeah, it's for the good and the bad. Yeah. It changes you, but there's something about that grind that. Yeah, my mom and dad are the hardest working people I've ever been around in my life. Oh. There's no one in the world that worked harder than them, and still to this day don't work harder than them. I mean, yeah. they're they are they taught me how to work. I mean, they taught me how to cook and, and be hospitable and all that other stuff. But the core is there of of hard work will pay off. There's something like all my brother and my brother and sister, you know, they all have different versions, different versions. I was the oldest. Right. So I was responsible since I was a little kid. I was, you do, you have to like manage the other kids sometimes. And it's like, man, it's just, it puts you in a crucible and it it burns you sometimes. And, but man, you come out, you come out hard, you come out ready to, for the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about Rooney's for a second. Oh yeah. You mentioned Rooney's. I've, I've only been in a couple times, Yeah, but it is one of the restaurants of Rochester that is a slice of time and continues to be a slice of time until today. Don't, don't tell anybody, but I was working there when I was like 14 years old <laughs> <laughs> and I was helping out Mun Rooney on his station, Steve DeSantis. And I, I met Keith through that. He was kind of messing around with bread in the basement. I mean, this yeah. was, I don't even know, long time ago, 2001 or so, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, working the, uh, working the, the, the grill kind of helping out watching service. Um, yeah, that restaurant, that place cranks and it was it does. tiny. We want to talk about small restaurant, small kitchen, that place cranks, but I live right down the street from it. And every single time I walk by, I look in there and it's just like, a, it brings me back to, there's oh. only a couple of restaurants in Rochester that have not lost, you know, the time machine you walk in you're like, wow, I'm back. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's, you know what, it, it doesn't, it, it stays the way it is because there's people that want that style of dining that doesn't exist. Yeah. In almost any way, like it's got old school service. Yep. And yes, some of the dishes are a slice of time. Absolutely. And there's, that's that's okay though. Like I want to go there and have that slice of time. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. No. And that's what, that's why I'm going to talk about it for a second is because it doesn't get talked about almost at all anymore, but it's there for the people that want what it has. And if you go there, I think it's kind of important to go visit there and taste taste what dining was in many ways, but it still can be excellent in its own way. Yeah. I mean, Dan Eaton started that place and, and made it what it was. And there's still those dishes from him on there that are still being executed the way he, I think would want them to execute it. I mean, that's, that's like a celebrity chef of what we have in Rochester. He, that was his, like, that was his thing. For it's kind of special, time. isn't no, it? It's great. That I, that's still there and you can go eat those things. Yeah. I think it's sweet. Cause a lot of those things are, are not on menus anymore. Are dead, man. They're, yeah. they're they're gone. And that that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um so we'd left off you were you were in you're in Chicago, you're bouncing around a bit. Right. Came home, helped my mom and dad sell the business. I met Greg Johnson through that kind of right. process. Right. We're talking about Cub Room. Right. And then uh, cuz I I remember writing about so when I I think it opened while I was still writing restaurant reviews. I think so, yeah. In the city newspaper. Sure. So I I don't know if it was the first one that came out about the restaurant, but I was there right after our, you know, at least self-imposed, you know, three or six month window of when you'd go in to review a restaurant. Yeah. And I remember going in there and it was, it was a really interesting thing for me because I was trying to reconcile with what people's perceptions of it were, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, oh, it's big New York City style dining coming to Rochester, and oh, it's all New York. And I'm like, is that what it is? If that's what it is, I'm 
nonplussed to begin with. Yeah, I, I don't, and then I go in and I'm like, no, that's not what this is. No. This is this is just a really good restaurant yeah. that's trying to be a good restaurant for lots of people, and with a lot of dishes that are really good and service that's good and cocktails that are good. Yeah, and you know sometimes those 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 things go around, mm-hmm. and people receive their perception of the attitude about it. Sure. Not what it actually is. It's, 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 it's a great restaurant. It's, it's, it's amazing in there, what they do. I mean, the fresh pasta program, all the fresh fish that he gets in everything. I mean, and he, he showed me how to, how to run a restaurant. I mean, I worked from the bottom up, literally from fry station to grill, to saute, to pasta, to becoming the sous chef, to, to running and writing the recipes and menus and me and him worked hand in hand and, and it's was the time of my life. It was a lot of hard work. Oh yeah. I mean, running that restaurant, that is a bear of a restaurant. There One is, especially, especially in what the, you were there for a few years. I was there for, yeah, five, six, seven years. I don't even know how long for a but, long time, seven years, I think. But and, how many for those first, you know, first few years, not to say it's not busy now, but those first few years yeah. was you will not get in on a busy night. That's it right. was so busy and packed every weekend. And it was just, I can't believe, and it's a big place. It's it was, not a small restaurant. It was seven days a week. They were doing lunch and dinner. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I think they've, they've, they've kind of, after COVID, they've defined it as, as, a, as, as a kind of everybody else, Wednesday through Saturday and then yeah. Sunday brunch, which, which is perfect. I think yeah. is the way to do it. But um, no, that, that, those guys showed me how to run a restaurant, the day to day, everything, the grind, you know, that sort of stuff, stuff I didn't see with my family business or other restaurants I worked at. I was just trying to survive. They, yeah. I had a, a, a real taste of the day to day, dealing with the orders, dealing with the customers, dealing with, with employees dealing with drama, dealing with the every single day, nine, you know, at nothing. And it also taught me how to have fun. I mean, those yeah. guys, those guys, those, those, those fourth of July parties were unbelievable that we would take the, they would take the weekend off and we would go and it was like, this is what it's about. The, well, and you family. had, and you also had like, you know, you had a, you know, head bartender who is, was one of the, people that could define both of those things at the same time. Oh, yeah, Anthony. You talk about Anthony? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the best, man. But the work, the nerdery, yeah. but he also knew how to drive the party. Yeah. You know, there's very few people who I know that were that are as good as it as he was, yeah. and it's a very small group. And Greg wants you, to be the best. Greg wants, yeah. wants the best working for him. He wants the best whiskey collection. He wants the best oh. wine. He wants the best pasta. He wants the best fish. He wants the best. Yeah. And he won't give up and until he has the best. It's, it's, it's crazy. I think it was the last time I was in there. It was towards, you know, you know, Anthony recently left yeah. and he was in somewhere else, but I went in and he, <laughs> I was like, Hey, what should I be drinking tonight? Cause we've known each other for a while. Sure. He's like, I've perfected the martini. Yeah. Right. I'm going to serve it to you. That sounds exactly like it. And Anthony. I'm like, I, there's when, when somebody says that to me and if it's, if it's somebody, somebody random person, I'm like, sure. Ah, sure. He did. Seems like, seems like a lot, but I believe for every moment he said it, that he had done the work. Mm-hmm. And as far as his standards were, he thought he has made the absolute best version of that, that you can make. In, you know, to a, to the widest variety of tastes. Sure. I believed that mm-hmm. before I tasted it. Yeah. I didn't need to taste it. Yeah. Because I you knew. You know who Anthony is. I knew he was serious. And when he told me that, like, hey, he can also be down at the other end and having a great time. But when he told me that, he was not joking. No. He's like, I've done this. I've done the work. Mm-hmm. I believe this is true. Mm-hmm. Here you go. And I'm like, oh, I'll have one of the two that you've done. He's like, no, you're tasting the other one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because like he knew that I was going to tell him, give him the feedback that right. I had. And there was going to be no veneer on it. Right. But when you have people like that around yeah. and you're doing that in the kitchen, you're doing that at the bar, man, it's it sharpens you and it changes. Yes. Like being able to have the fun, but also you're buckling down, you're bringing the heat to everybody, yeah. to the... To the guests and people, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Um, so you're there. Was that the last place you were before you switched over? Yeah, that was the last place I was there. And then I I, I moved on to to the Provisions Flower City project just to try and do something on my own. I mean, try and hopefully be successful just like those guys are. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, that's that's a hell of a, that's a long, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
I guess so. I guess, I, yeah, sure. It's a lot of stuff, and I, I, I just... Going through, and I, I appreciate that you were really spending time at each place, too. Yeah. Because there's something about having, you know, a mentor that really mm-hmm. uh, really works with you. Yes. And you can, when you're talking about, yeah, you do the work, but sometimes you're isolated in your own little thing, getting through the day. No. But having the mentor that no, me and Greg, offers. Me, me and Greg got along very well, and yeah. he mentored me through a lot of stuff. And we bounced ideas off each other. And I think I had a little... I could get through to him and he can get through to me, which I don't think some other people could do or can yeah. do because he's a, he's a rock. You know what yeah. I mean? He's a, he's a, he's a stone. You can't really get through to him. And me and him had built up this relationship over time of hard work together and me going up the ranks to, to, to be his mentor or mentoree or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you know, so that was definitely much appreciated from those guys. I think those, the moments when you find that person, you don't always know it right away. Sure. But when you find the person who's willing to willing to really work with you, mm-hmm. and I think it takes a lot from both sides. It takes a lot from the mentor's position sure. to offer that to somebody because you can put a lot of yourself into that work. Right. And when it doesn't, you know, when, they're, when, they, don't, when they don't receive it, mm-hmm. yes, and it's so. not always in the way you wanted them to receive it, but they don't receive it sure. well, mm-hmm. it's got to be so disappointing. Yeah. And... I really appreciate those that do that work to become that mentor for somebody and give, give them that, give them the gift of really teaching people the things that matter. Yeah. Cause it's not always just technique. It's, no, it's being a man. It's, it's being a man. It's being, oh, how much of it is that? Right. right I mean, growing up. Right. No, it's, 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 you know, you, you, you're teaching people how to cook. I mean, I'm teaching, I'm teaching two 21 year olds right now. Oh God. That are, that are, want to do this, want to cook. And one's, one's in garbage with salad station and one's in the dish pit. And I see myself in them. And I remember me being at that age, I had somebody that would just beat the hell out of me of, you know, not physically, but just hammer it in me of this is what we got to do. This is how I want it done. And you just eventually learn. And I think there's a little bit of that going on with me, with them, but yeah. there's definitely some mentoring going on. I hope it's being received, Right. but also like, this is stuff that you could leave and go be a mailman and, and, use these things to be a man to, for the rest of your life. Well, I, that's, I want to end off with that because, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about cooking. We talked about food. We talked about technique, but I mean, that process, you know, I don't, we're not that far apart. So I'm, I'm coming up on 40 this year. So right. you're mid thirties. Sure. And there's something about the process when you now take a back look at it, mm-hmm. take a look back at what, what are the, what are the moments that shaped who I am today and turning into a responsible person <laughs> who knows who knows the things that are going to happen before they happen sometimes because yep, you have you've seen enough. <laughs> right. And it's it's weird because I still I'm still a garbage person and I'm still you know, I still have garbage person kid moments and I still have all that. But sure. There's something weird when you now start to think like you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Even though in your head, like, oh, man, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Right. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's a switch that flips in your head. You're like, oh, I see this happening. Like, you could see the mistakes they're going to make before they make them. Right. Because you know right. the mentality at that time. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It's, and it's it's really interesting. It has to be really, has to be fun and scary all at the same time to start teaching people. It, it's great to teach, but it's also, like, it's death-defying to know that I'm, you know, I'm not. 25 anymore right? right i'm not 30 anymore and i'm not 35 anymore you know what i mean like it's uh-huh. like oh shit like uh, these guys are this is the next crew this is the next generation and you know they're the, the ball's in their court like it, we're i'm ready to hand the ball off you know it's scary yeah but yeah like he said you can see it happening you can see the the mess ups that are going to happen or the thing the realization of of what real you know what really is but i'm sure the the part that's going to be like one of those like moments you can look back on is when, you know, you're doing the training, you're going through all the stuff, you're trying to extol the virtues of local sourcing and right. the work that goes into all these, you know, to the to the little things that go into the bread that Keith's making, you know, Keith and the team are making, mm-hmm. you know, laminated doughs to, you know, the sourcing for breakfast sandwiches to processing meat for lunches right. to, you know, nixtamalizing your own corn the moment that's going to happen when you see one of them, when you see the light bulb switch in their head and they're going to create something that you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah dude. I mean that that even even though it's like so new, I'm sure that's in the back of your head where it's like, I mean, yeah. it's got to be it's got to be exciting. It's very exciting. It's 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 cool to own a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've we've gone through 65 minutes of conversation, and the message we're going to leave you with: it's cool to own a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's throw the plugs in again. So, where can people find public provisions? How do they hit you up on social media, and how can they go visit the restaurant? Uh, down at the public market. We're open uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, we're at the Brighton Market. Um, it's uh, forty five Public Market. Um, that's in the public market, right next to Cure and Flower City. Um, it's yeah. I think the the Facebook is or the Instagram is public public provisions. Yeah. Everything's findable under yes. public provisions yes, here exactly. in Rochester. Yes. Make sure it's public provisions and you will find it easily. Um, make sure you go visit. This is one of the places that as soon as I knew it was being constructed, I couldn't be more excited because I respect the respect Keith and what he's done for so long. And if he's bringing somebody in to work on something like this, I can't, I can't not believe in it. And something this is a place you're going to want to visit. You're going to want to become a regular at. So go visit in person. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for coming over. This thanks, is a blast. Man. This was great. Thanks, um, dude. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you want to find more about me, you can find me, throw me Twitter and Instagram food about town podcast on Instagram and also go to nominate meals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. $40 for a meal for two. You can pick it up at one of our fantastic locations, three heads brewing fatty beer in the neighborhood of play or the new black button distilling in August. Uh, and then uh, Nowhere Lounge in Kenmore in Buffalo once a month. Uh, we work with small minority-owned restaurants around Rochester. Treat everybody well. Hope you can join us for one of the events. And come back next time for another episode of the Food About Town podcast. If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. Drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination.